Hello, this is Tucker Johnson, and I am coming to you with a pop-up live. We have a special guest as usual. Rickert Ingalls is joining us today, fresh off of his wing from the Process Innovation Challenge. Uh, so we're going to be talking all about that with him today. Uh, really quickly, though, uh, Let's talk to you a little bit about what we do here at NIMSI Live Pop-Up Events. These are pop-up events, which means that they are not scheduled. They're not marketed. We do these randomly. Um, so if you want to be notified of when we go live so that you can join in the conversation, please make sure to like and subscribe to NIMSI Insights. And then you'll be all set and you can come join us in the conversation. If you are watching this live today, please join in in the comments below. And if you have any questions for Rickert, questions, comments, we welcome those. We will bring those comments up on screen and you can engage that way. Otherwise, this this uh, recording will be made available afterwards on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and also as a podcast. If you subscribe to NIMSI Live on Spotify, Amazon Podcast, or Apple, Apple Music, all of that stuff. Uh, Really quickly, let's give some background about the Process Innovation Challenge before I let Ricker introduce himself here. The, the Process Innovation Challenge, or the PIC, uh, hosted most recently at local, Localization World, or I should say Local Worldwide, number 44. It, it encourages, uh, basically the Process Innovation Challenge encourages people to innovate in our industry. And it's kind of like a shark tank. For the localization industry, the process dragons um, review the pitches from different innovators and make a judgment on those. And our winner this year was Mr. Rickert Ingalls from Zilio. And the submission was about low cub. Rickert, Rickert, tell us about this. Tell us about low cub. Um, I, I don't want it. I want to do it justice. So I need you to describe it, not me. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. So first of all, it was it was great to uh, to compete at the Process Innovation Challenge. Um, we won in 2018 with our connector offering, and um, and uh, so I'm very pleased we won again this year in the 2021 edition with our Lockup Insights. And basically, what Lockup Insights is, it is a it's a it's a localization dashboard that uh, provides information that allows localization managers to talk tangible business value with their stakeholders in the organization. So we, we, run, we run a crawl on a website and we identify issues with language, with kind of double languages. We identify issues that hurt the user experience. We identify issues that hurt the SEO. And we give practical tips and tricks, basically how to how to take the most out of your localization efforts. And with that, like I, I was watching the to prepare for this, I was watching the most recent um, process innovation challenge where everything's recorded, which, by the way, is is available for those of you that have um, that were in attendance of localization worldwide and have have access to Jujama is the Jujama. I know I'm mispronouncing that, but the platform and um, you can go check it out right here and watch the live streaming video of everything right there. And it's also held on YouTube um, as well. So that's, this isn't just Rickert. This is all of the, the challengers, the, the people coming to present their challenges and the, the commentary by the shark tanks and the links to these are, are down in the description. So Rickert, before we get into it, and I do want to do like we were playing around with this right beforehand. I think we're set up to be able to do a demo today, but low cub is catching, it's catching. Um, the thing that stuck out to me the most about it was just the number of issues that are present that we're not even checking for in the localization world. And what I'm talking about specifically are the, these issues that happen, I, I think you say like after the CMS, right? Correct. Uh, Correct. So talk to me about that. What do you mean by this, like after the CMS? Yeah, indeed. So that is, so if you take the technical innovation that we, that we present and is that, um, the local, if you if you think about localization and you think about the translation process, then the job of the translation process typically ends when it's imported into the CMS. Mm. So, the, so we get it out of the CMS, it's translated, it's back into a TMS, and the TMS puts it back into the CMS, and then and then the job is done. But of course, the objective of translation is to increase increase the reach in the local market or to or to convert to convert a visitor into into a buying prospect. 
And um, so the journey of a translation effort only ends when it's on the website. And what we notice is that there is no quality step between a uh, between the CMS and the actual website. And so there is a lot of quality step during the during the translation process. But nobody checks it when it's in the CMS and it's from the CMS published on the website. Yeah, we have lots of quality steps, like lots of different programs that we've defined that are just kind of over the years become industry standard when we talk about LQA, for example. Um, yeah. Uh, this LQA, this is to me, it shouldn't be, but to me, LQA is very much a loaded term because it comes with certain assumptions around it and certain expectations around what it is and what it's meant to do. But to me, LQA is very much just, it, it's a form of catching errors. And yeah. I really don't like that our industry's idea of quality is catching errors rather than, I should say, focusing on the end user, focusing on the end user experience, focusing on what, what makes a translation really phenomenal actually um yeah. because you talk to any language quality manager in the industry and they can talk for hours i could talk for hours about what makes a translation bad right yeah yeah what makes a translation good and i think that's something that we're we're really trying to come together as an industry and define what that means and i don't think we're there yet i think there are a lot of people talking about it and i think we'll get there though yeah and and actually that is that is I would almost argue that is the true innovation that we try to bring to the industry. I still look at myself as an outsider. We have done migrations. We're still doing migrations. I'm the founder of Xilio. Mm -hmm. I think we are the best migration company in the world. And, um, and we do migrations into the Adobe's and the Sitecores and the Drupal's for the last 15 years. And uh, actually, I said 15 years many times. It's 17 years. 17. Jeez, don't. Jeez, Louise. I want to so, come back to that, though, because I want to come back to, like, how Low Cub started. I think that's an interesting story I'd like to hear more about is, like, it started by, like, you looking for, like, what are some of the challenges with APIs, with connectors, yeah. with custom APIs? So I, let's put a pin in that. I want to come back to it. Yeah, but but the story is, the story is that, that um, the value of translation is... I mean, if you if you take the definition of translation, I even have my own definition of translation and localization. In my definition, the, the, the definition of translation is to expand your market so that more users can find and buy you. Okay. The definition, the definition of high quality translation yeah, is to protect your brand. Okay. And the, and the definition of localization is to increase your win chance in the local market. So... This is how C-Suite looks at it. This I was going to say, this is a very business-centric business view but, of things. And, but, and I love it, by the way. I love it's, it. It's a very business-centric view. But so, so what, what, I, what I try to bring is that, look, we do migrations to marketers all the world. Mm -hmm. and, and, for most marketer, and for for most marketing people, the translation is, first of all, an afterthought. It's not a business enabler, but it's an afterthought. And, and in my humble opinion, the localization industry is doing their utmost best to present themselves as an afterthought. Because huh. by so much focus on, oh. on, on linguistic quality, while all the marketeer cares about is leads and conversion right. and brand protection, you actually, it, it almost sounds trouble. It almost sounds trouble. They, they, they kind of hear like, oh, it's going to take a long time. And and I want to I want to turn the discussion around. It's complicated, and, and show right? The value it, of localization. Yeah, it, it's complicated. That that's the pitch I hear a lot. That's the pitch I've given a lot working at an LSP, right? Yeah, is yeah, exactly. translation is so complicated. You couldn't possibly understand how complicated. And like we think we think that this makes us sound smart. Right? Like, look how smart we are. We manage this very, very, very complicated process. But frankly, it makes us sound like a pain in the ass to work with. And C-Suite don't like working with pain in the ass, um, pain in the ass vendors. Correct. Thank you, Correct. William, in the comments, by the way. If you're in the comments, let us know. Um, questions there. But yeah, it's like, and this is why you say that you're from outside the industry. And I love talking to people from the outside the industry. Because, I don't know, some people come in from outside the industry almost apologetically. Like, oh, I, I don't understand. I'm trying to learn. 
And that I don't think that's the way to do it. I think the way to do it is like I'm going to take all the stuff that I know thinking about this from a new way based upon all my experience outside the industry and see what can be applied to localization. And I'm very grateful for for folks like senior level folks that come in from outside the industry and say, let's change things because this can certainly be done better. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of what, what, what's driving us here. Yeah. Well, did you want to get, get into the demo here before we get too much into it? Cause I could just bullshit about quality for a full hour, but I kind of want to show this product. Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Right. So let's do this. Let's see if we got this switch switch working well here. Let's hope that this works. Yeah. That's always scary. Awesome. You, you, you are live. We can see your screen. Let me just perfect. Let me perfect. Clean, clean it up a little bit here. If you guys are watching at home, you'll see it moving around a little bit, but that's okay. So talk to us about this, Rickert. Yeah, so basically we have a crawler. We can crawl websites. It's incredibly easy to start. Um, if, you just, uh, uh, if you just enter your, your, your URL on the website, the, uh, the crawl starts. So as you see, it's, uh, there's a lot of requests. Uh, this is all public information. So let me pick, let me pick a, a, an example here. So for instance, we have done a crawl on redhat.com. And um, uh, so what we have identified here is here you see that we've done a crawl on the 21st of June. Um, it's a snapshot of the 21st of June. If we would do a second crawl, let's say next week, we see the we see the change in status the week after. Now, when you say you're doing a crawl, right? You're doing a crawl of what? Let's be clear. Um, we do we do a crawl of their website. So the way Google crawls your website to mm -hmm. to index it, we do the same crawl like 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 a Google does. So we basically collect all the information on your website and do and run our analysis on on the top of that. Okay, excellent. I just want to make and, sure for uh, folks following along that. Yes, yeah, so we basically make make a, make almost like a copy of your of your website and we and we collect all the all the publicly available content. Then um, uh, what I'm what I show here is the localization effectiveness. So we have identified seven characteristics that determine the localization effectiveness in terms of UX and in terms of SEO. The seven and, that we, uh, and we have divided them here, and we give uh, we give tools and we give websites a rating based on our algorithm. And, and that then determines in what area you can you can make the biggest kind of impact to improve your local uh, your, your localization effectiveness score and okay. thus your SEO and the user experience. And what we see here at Red Hat is that we have language consistency, language quantity, and localization experience. These three elements are actually the content that is entered into the system. So it's the source. It's 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 the source content into the system. So okay. this is language consistency. Basically, it means if you have uh, the same language on the same page. Now, they score very, very, very low on it. They actually score zero points. And you will see soon that there's a lot of mixed languages on pages. Then they have language quantity, where, where we basically look at the quantity of the language. Uh, because what we, what we know is that SEO rates um, local content very, very highly. And, and, and Google has, has changed the, the, the algorithm there. And now localized content is even more important. Then, uh, so that's, it's just the quantity of the content compared to the source language. Then uh, it's also called language depth, actually, in the, in the localization industry. Then we have the localization experience. This is, this is in most cases, the lowest hanging fruit. And that is that uh, if, you have the, if you have tagged the, the language correctly. So what we see a lot is that a page is, is translated into German, but then people forget to actually update Google that you have translated the page into German. So that is, that is really a pity. And, um, uh, and then we have the localization reference, the content deduplication, and the search engine friendliness. Now, Red Hat is a big company. They use a proper CMS. So what we see is that if, if you know what you're doing from a technical point of view, that these three points are typically pretty good. And, but we see still quite a lot of sites where, the, where, the, where there's no canonical URL, for instance. So then if you have one, uh, one page and the page is, uh, is, is distributed over seven languages, then Google sees seven times the same page and they kind of don't know the value to put on that page. So they divide the value of the page in seven and you avoid that by having a canonical URL, for instance, search engine friendliness can be, can be, can be, can be crawl the website in uh, the first place, because if we have difficulties to crawl it, Google also has difficulties to crawl it. Now, so this is, so this is, this is the score we give to each website and that basically tells you um, uh, where you can improve the SEO and where you can improve the, the user experience. 
Now, if you go a little bit deeper here, Re- really quickly see- though, I, I want to just call attention to that for for folks that are listening and or watching out there, is that this really caught my attention when when I was hearing you talk about it because what this tells me is there's a possibility, not all companies, but there's a big possibility there are companies out there spending tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on language quality. Um, but they are missing a few key steps. Like at the end, they're not running some basic checks to make sure that all of that investment and all of that work that they're they're actually investing into is they're getting their money's worth on it, which was the example you just used, which was the German, um, you know, you can translate and you can make sure that your German quality is great and everything. But if you're not updating Google and you're not telling Google, hey, this page is in German, then you're not getting the full results on that. So to me, it's kind of like one of those things like this extra last step, which is maybe not required by our traditional definition, but it's like, hey, what does it hurt? If you're not doing this, then you might be missing some stuff. Is that an accurate assessment? Or is that an accurate takeaway that I should No, it's a away? very accurate assessment. And um, and also what it is, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a, what is very important is that the improvement areas that we identify is hardly ever the mistake of the translator. Right. So there's nearly all the time a mistake in the technical setup, because if if a if a language is not declared, it is most of the time it's because a template has been copied one time and then it has been reused. Right. And then as the template has been copied, nobody thinks about updating the actual uh, code there. And uh, or if multiple components are combined on a single page, it's a rendering problem. It's not. It's an IT rendering problem. It's not a translation problem. So- so, so, so these are things that like typical translation managers, globalization departments, um, wouldn't, it's not even on their radar, right? Like, cause this is indeed, not something. Indeed. Okay. Indeed. Indeed. And that, and that's, and that's why I'm saying like, this gives you tangible business, let's say examples and business benefits to improve the conversion. So you help because you help the local marketing department to convert in Germany. If you tell them that not all pages have been declared as 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 as, as German, right. and if you help them improve the user experience, then you actually help them solve their business problem instead of that you just translate. Well, and this is one of those things too that um, I feel like as an industry, like for the last five, ten years, for however long, it's like we've been begging for a seat at the table with the marketing department because localization yeah. teams. Um, localization teams there's a lot of overlap with with the marketing department they're one of the the primary uh, stakeholders and internal clients for localization teams but um i feel like we've made a lot of progress in that department and there there's organizations out there that really really cater to you know there's a great connection between the marketing and the localization team but i feel like all right just as we're making progress in there there's new things that are coming up so like i think this is this is just a very good trend, and um, so that's why I was um, I was so impressed with the innovation from you from 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 the what three words, and uh, and the dragons were quite tough on her. But but so what she what she showed was that the increased conversion, if you have a Japanese picture on their application in the app store, was really was really a lot higher than if you just translate the 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 picture, and so just a localized picture for Japan helped the conversion in the app store tremendously. And that is, that's true business value. And because she, she proved that she has a seat at the table. Right. And uh, so that was, that was, that was a perfect example of the value of localization put into action because the moment you show that you can help with conversion, the moment you can show that you can help with leads, you have a seat at the table. Yeah. And yeah, and I do want to get Mayu on and, and talk to her as well. Um, because I was very interested in what she had to say about this intersection of language quality, basically taking a, an increased look at customer experience and user experience on that. Can you talk a little bit of, about that? Like, how do you see this shift? So if, if we're, first of all, do you agree that as we move forward into the future, organizations are taking a more, they're prioritizing user experience and customer experience more and more. And if we can agree on that, then my question would be, how does that affect the work that we do in localization? I mean, that is uh, what I find. Let, let me just show you a couple of examples here. So that yeah. is, that is um, 
And so if I if I just continue basically here, then um, um, what I see here is that this is a peta, that's a page of meta language mismatch. And so if I go to the first page here, then you see an example. This is a German page. You clearly see it's a German page, and it's declared to Google as English. Right, right. Low hanging fruit, right? Low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit. But if I if I go here, if I go here to the not translated, then I see I see a lot of errors. And then and then if I if I pick anything, so let let's pick let's pick here a press release for instance. If I click on the press release, then it this just looks a little bit messy to me right? Right. because I have here German navigation. Okay, oh fine. Then I see here Pressemitteilung. 10th annual Red Hat Innovation Award. So this is this is a component which is translated into German. This is German again. This is English. This is English. This is English. This is Kurzform. This is German. This is English. This is German. I mean, Red Hat PR contact here. It's all over the place. Yeah, it's all over the place. And then and then uh, and then and then you have it about translation quality. I don't care about translation quality anymore because I'm just annoyed by the fact that I have German and English all together. Yeah, so I mean, from the user experience perspective, and, and, and I, have, <laughs> I have here, I have here a lot of examples. So I have here 578 pages of those examples. So that is that is really a lot. So if I hear if I hear people talk about quality, then I think like a quality is brand protection, and brand protection is also that you don't include two languages on the same page because it just it just comes across as messy there. Yeah, I am so question. Um, Who's out there? So you could run this on any website, right? You don't need special access because you've just no, run no, this. No, no, no. I, I can, I can. So we can. You, you can say pick, and I can show a demo of that because we have done a lot, as you see. Yeah, well, multilingual websites for sure. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no sense, no sense to do do a pick one. It's probably actually, already in your list. Actually, because I know that a lot of your listeners are um, are are translators. Um, there is there is. Um, some some really um, low hanging fruit value in the report here as well that is very interesting for localization managers and for LSPs, um, and that is that let's say you get a quote you get a call from Red Hat and they ask you can you translate redhat.com into Greek yeah because it's not translated into Greek yet okay. then I know right now that there are one million six hundred forty five thousand words to translate. Oh, so it kind of runs the analysis for you. Then. Exactly, exactly. So we have done, we have done, uh, we have done the crawl of the words. So you actually know, you actually know the uh, the amount of words to translate, and and this is actually the last um, kind of business value that I that I want to that I want to stress here as well is that what you see here on the red hat, why it's a funny example, is that um, there are two thousand six hundred thirty one, two thousand six hundred fifty seven, and so there are roughly every locale has the same amount of languages, but. Most often, the localization team thinks that everything is 100% translated because it's too close to each other. Right. So clearly, it's not. And I think this is because the 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 um, the starting point of the translation process is probably left to the local marketing, and and they're not yet in sync with what the um, corporate marketing has has uh, published. Makes sense. And so, who who out there is yeah, as you're running through these? Who out there is doing this well? Like, have you run across websites where, like, you're running a scan and you're looking for these errors and you're like, dang, this is actually pretty clean? Or is this something where it's like all websites have this? You know, it's like all refrigerators have dust dust underneath I mean, them. I mean, I mean, we can do a quick, quick crawl. Let's do it. Um, this is Pega 86. Very good. Very good. Nice Pega job, Pega. 86. That is uh, well done, Pega. Essex, I mean, I'm, I'm doing this live, so I haven't prepared this. 85, sure, sure. not bad, not bad. Um, then uh, PayPal, let's do PayPal. 77, uh, okay, this, this is also not bad, not bad. Yeah, the, the interesting mm -hmm. examples still, are, of course, still, the ones still that are... Shows you, it's still, I mean, 77 is still a lot of room for improvement, sure, still a lot of low-hanging sure. fruit, yeah, but it is... Um, I haven't seen I haven't seen a ninety yet. Tableau eighty three. Yeah, so that is um, that's not so, bad. so ninety would be a good score. N yeah, over over ninety. That's kind of what you have to strive for. But still, Tableau with a with a with a eighty three still has three on the twenty five pages where there are two languages on the same page. I'm I'm wondering. This is very um, 
similar to, well, maybe not similar, but synergy, synergistic with, are, are, are you familiar with John Yunker and the Web Globalization Report card that he yeah, publishes yeah. every year? Yeah, I had him yep. on a, an earlier live episode. And what is the overlap or synergy between these two things? Because basically what his report list is like how well companies are doing from a globalization standpoint. But I'm not sure that it's taking into account um, these sort of things. Perhaps it is. So you'd have to ask John on that. But have you thought about that at all? Um, no, no, no. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So um, uh, there will be a big press release coming, not with uh, Mr. Yonkers, but with someone else about uh, where we go a little bit, uh, where we go a level deeper than, uh, than, than his website analysis report. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, just curious because, hey, we're in the – over here at NIMSI, we're in the research game too. So I'm always we, – We are we are, we are, um, we are, are about to issue a report um, nice. about a sector where we have done a deep uh, analysis. You heard it, it here first. It will be but not with uh, – yeah. All right, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll realign my, um, my line of thinking or my, my, question, my line of questioning, I should say then. I don't want to – give any spoilers here so for, for this tool I, I, I bite my tongue as well yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a, a customer here and let's say i want to go play around with this i want to get my reports is that something that i can do myself or is that something yes. it is so how do yeah. i do that so you go to lockup.com and you enter your uh, URL, and if your URL, uh, if your if the domain that you enter matches your email address, we start to crawl automatically. Interesting. Okay, that's nice. And then yeah. if the if the crawl is, let's say, what what if I want to do it for my competitor's website though? No, no, so so that is so you need you need to match the email needs to match your your domain. Okay, so I can't that's do it for my competitor's website. No. no oh correct. man! Even if I call you and. If you if you and charge uh, you have, and you charge a, me money we, for it, we actually have a partner program for LSPs okay. where we do where we do allow that that option. Oh, very cool, very cool, awesome, awesome. Uh, anything else on, on this demo? What else you got to show me? Uh, no, that was that was that was about it. Very very cool, awesome. Let's let's if you don't mind stopping yep. your screen share and I can get the. Yep. It took me this long to get everything set up. So, hey, there we go. Good. So Good. that we can see each other. So, Isilio, a, a couple other things that I wanted to ask you about. You guys have a big culture around automation, right? Yeah. And this is why it's interesting to me to talk to you about quality. Because typically automation and quality, yeah, I mean, you can talk about them in the same sentence, but people will have feedback <laughs> if you do right it, yeah. it, it can be controversial like where do you draw that line between automating quality um, and trying to create scalable quality processes and actually really respecting the language which is important yeah. to a lot of people in our industry yeah um, I I have a, I have a completely different view on that to be to be honest Okay. I think I think that um, um, I think that in order to create quality automation with um, with translation, you need to integrate at the core of the business application. And um, so the the core of the business application is is developing and and updating in a in a in a in a, in a continuous way. Okay. And and within and everything is 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 microservice based. Everything is API based. Everything is headless. Everything is in the cloud, and um, and uh, so it the whole concept of of connecting in a project method into a TMS is to me trying to mix projects with continuous. Methods. It doesn't work. Yeah, I was going to talk about that a little bit because I'm interested to hear more on your thoughts about automation integration and particularly custom custom integrations that you've seen built in, in our industry. Because from my understanding, this you know, low hub is somewhat of a response to 
to that, like you've investigated through through your work, you've investigated, you've, you've seen, you've had access to a bunch of different custom built integrations between technologies and tools and processes that have been built over the years. And you've kind of noticed that you found them lacking. Let's just put it that way. Talk to me about that a little bit. Uh, I mean, look, I can... I don't want to talk bad about. No, no, about, I'm not saying. Uh, I mean, the, the quality of the connectors is a disaster. Oh, let me just, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk bad, but they're a disaster. Okay, well, it's a, it's a, it's a let's go disaster. on that. But, but, that, but let's not get into that because that makes it less. It's all custom coded. It's hard coded. That's why there's a lot of errors, etc. Okay, and, but so that is that is of course the reason. And um, um, but but in my view, that is not the biggest problem. Okay. The, the biggest problem is that that why does a TMS need to build a connector into a business application, getting a content as an afterthought out and trying to put it back in in kind of the to kind of automate a, a back office process after it has been published? I think it should have been embedded at the at the core. Yeah? And I think you should give your your business departments the ability to integrate localization in the app. Okay. And then, and then the developer of the business application would send it to, in our case, Lockup. Okay. And then Lockup passes it on to whatever project technology that you want to use, so, whether so it's MemoQ or, or MemSource or whatever XLIF file you want or whatever project you want or whatever translation method you want or whatever LSP you want to work with or so, but but you but if you try to integrate from a from a TMS which is handled to automate the, the, the translation project, if you try to talk from that into an application, it is kind of an afterthought by default. And it, it, maybe that's what you meant in the beginning when you said we've been doing a really good job of making sure that we continue to be thought of as an afterthought, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. Because and but, if you but, just, but just to clarify, mind. just to clarify, just for me and for all of our listeners, um, what you so Low Hub sits before the TMS, before, before the Cat the, Two, before yeah. any of that. So yeah, that is an important content. distinction because I didn't yeah. realize that, and I've you know actually watched the stuff um, and everything. So how does that even work? What what is there to do before? the content gets sent to the TMS. You get the content. Okay. You get the content and then you have your content in one big hub okay. in one central repository. And from that, you pass it on to whatever method you want to choose. If you have one TMS, you pass to one TMS. If you have two TMSs, you pass to two TMSs. If you want to send it directly to your, to your LSP, you send it to your LSP and they then download it in their TMS of choice. If you want to send it to MT first for certain applications, then, then you, then you allow it there. So it's basically a, 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 a separation between content integration and translation automation. And we, and we don't uh, provide the um, translation, but what we provide is that we basically are collecting the content and converting it into an output that can be imported by a TMS or by an LSP. Okay. Very, so it, is, the, uh, is, and, and, is it a CMS though? Right, because like when you when you're saying that, I, I get the idea of well, how is this not a, a content management system in and of itself, or is it supposed to be? Um, yeah, I mean, you system? could you could call it a virtual CMS for multilingual data, but okay, it's not a CMS because we don't create content. We are we are just a virtual hub. Basically. Okay, so it's kind of like a CMS wrapper then kind of like an added it's, functionality. It's maybe an easier way to describe it. It's like a middleware platform, but just for, for, for content management system for the translation use case. Okay. That, that's exactly what I'm looking for, an easy way to subscribe it, right? <laughs> yeah, my my exactly. monkey brain wants to be able to describe this in like one sentence to people. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we're yeah. getting there. I think we're getting yeah. there. So, so, so maybe maybe a little bit extra on that because because one of the things that fascinates me and I, and I, and I, and I see that the story is picking up steam right now but when I started with the connectors in 2018 uh, in, the, in the localization industry, we only had pool connectors. So I, I thought like you have a vacuum cleaner and you pull all the content out. Eh? You pull the content out of the systems automatically and, uh, and then based on metadata, you determine your, your automation rules and it's all easy. Then what I learned very quickly 
is that what the localization industry want is push connectors. They want plugins within the CMS systems right. and uh, so that the local marketing department can select what content he wants so that he can send it for translation. And until today, and we actually developed certain connectors for that. So we have the Adobe connector, which is a push connector, and we have the Drupal connector, which is a push connector. And, and we developed it because of market demand. But, but I, 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 don't, I don't see the need for that. I don't see the, the, I don't see the use case for that. Because all what we see in our, in our dashboard is that the completeness between languages is absolutely none, which is, of course, obvious because you leave it to the local marketing to, the, to make 12 clicks to send a press release for translation. If the, if the local, local marketing team forgets that, it's not translated. Yeah, so hence, you see the discrepancies between all the, because the local marketing simply forgot to do it. And they, they, they forgot to press the button to automate it. So I, 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 I don't understand why. So it is, the, it is considered a standard, but it doesn't, doesn't, make, doesn't make it right. I mean, a local yeah. marketing manager doesn't want to do 12 clicks to send a press release for translation. Well, and, and this is what I we found. Yeah. Huh? And this is what we found with language technology. You know, we talked to, I, I don't so much personally myself anymore. We have, because we have Yulia Kolkova, who just like follows the technology in our industry. She's our chief technology researcher. And what I've seen is the 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 tools the solutions that get the best reaction from the the clients the enterprise clients that are going to be implementing them are the ones that allow them to work within their own system and aren't creating work for them right it's not another tool no one wants another tool right they want exactly. something native they want something that comes to them they want something that pushes to them right they want they don't want something that, that's they have to go find the information that Correct. that they they need to get it right so like when you talk to me about the the 12 clicks and what, what i hear specifically is or what i hear generally i should say is you talking about the concerns of that marketing manager that in-country marketing team right and yeah. <laughs> that to me is an important distinction, um, even more so than talking about 12 clicks, is just the fact that you're talking about those local marketing managers tells me that you are, first of all, you're cognizant of and you're empathetic to their needs, which I feel a lot of proposed solutions out there, like we're still trying to figure out how to take into account those local teams. And that, at the heart of it, is this is design thinking this is customer centric um behavior is taking into account those end users because the the in-country marketing teams they could be looked at as a proxy for the end user because they're the ones that are closest to it right so exactly so exactly kudos on you know thinking about how this is affecting the entire organization and all of the markets and not just the localization department because we sell a lot to, like we sell to localization directors in our industry, and like LSPs and technology providers. That's 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 who shows up at the conferences, and that's who we pitch to, and that's who we've refined our persona decks as marketing organizations um, to to cater to. But there's a whole new world of stakeholders out there that need the value that we bring in our industry. Either they just don't know it yet, or they're just realizing it, or they're out there building it themselves because they had no idea that any of this exists. So this, you know, this monologue was to preface a question of who is this for? Like, who are you going out there and saying, "Look at my shiny new thing"? Other, other than, or are you keeping it in the family? Are you keeping it in the, the quote unquote localization industry for now? Or are you out there pitching this to other departments? No, no, no. I, I, uh, I think, I think the localization manager is is uh, is the perfect uh, buyer, and uh, but uh, of course the localization manager has to has to um, has to be forward thinking. Yeah? Sure. And um, uh, so it is. Um, uh, so if you take the if you take the uh, the connector example, um, twelve clicks. I, I, it's a common thinking that it's needed. I think zero clicks is well, the solution. Well, when you're coming from a solution that was 36 clicks and yeah, clicks. some yeah. solutions yeah, architect comes in. Yeah. It's 12 clicks for the marketing manager. So it's zero clicks now. It's automated for the localization manager. So it's it's pushed to them. Yeah, so so for the localization manager, it's automated for them. But the, the marketing manager still needs to make 12 clicks. I think we should do zero clicks for the marketing manager. 
And I think the localization manager should use her local expertise to to define the translation method that best fits the business use case. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so that is so that is where where I think the uh, the uh, the most the most value is. And uh, so I I am actually and and because I see um, so many um, let's say forward thinking localization managers at the big and, and, and at all the talks, I think that localization managers are the right parties to introduce this to, to the organization. And, uh, and what, we are, what we are trying to do with insights is, is basically kind of almost like, I don't want to sound like, but it's almost educating them in, in like, okay, I mean, brand language quality, brand protection. <laughs> I, I like that, brand protection. Nobody, really, nobody, nobody cares about the 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 a, lang- a German translation eh, or whether it is das or der or die. I mean, nobody cares about a mistake like that. You, you you've obviously English. never met a German language reviewer before in person, but I, I understand <laughs> it is very important. But if you I understand it, what you're it, saying. Yeah, the, the, the error doesn't really pop well, up. Well, and you mo- don't even see it. most clients. And I'm not talking about clients like your clients. I'm talking about end clients. I'm talking about users of localized products. You're right. They don't care, right? I mean, they care, but they care about their experience. So they only care about um, language insofar as it reflects their user experience. Now, I say they talk about language. I don't say they talk about translation because they don't give a shit about translation, right? It doesn't, and they they shouldn't. It shouldn't matter to them that this app originated in a language other than what they're consuming it in, right? And we're we're actually working on some cool projects right now too, um, actually trying to understand like what is that impact? What is the localization impact on the users um, going further than, you know, the traditional data sets that have been out there for, for a while now. And it's interesting because the things that the users are concerned about are things that aren't even checked for, much like, like what you're talking about here, but from a linguistic quality standpoint. But that leads me to um, my next question, which is about data and um, essentially, I hate to say it, ROI, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But... What what is the how how are we tracking this? What what data are, are, are you using to report to show concretely, objectively that this is having a, the desired result? Because if we're going to come in this from a not from a linguistic everything needs to be ha- like perfect language quality, but if we are going to approach it from a business standpoint, which we started this conversation doing, then yeah. what is the business case? So there are, there are a couple of things that 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 that, that are possible. The easiest is to just integrate it with Google Analytics and see and see the results. Let's see the results of the of uh, of uh, of the increase in traffic, and see and measure the results in uh, in a conversion. Yeah. So that is that is that is almost the easiest. And then and then what you then can do what you then can do, but that is a discussion with the client. Is most clients have ballparks what are estimated conversion rates within a country, and then and then you can look at it like okay. How does the estimated conversion actually relate to the actual conversion for this for this particular page? And so, and then you can see the difference between. So, for instance, we are using Xilio, we're using HubSpot, we're using HubSpot in, in Xilio. I can see the difference in landing pages. I know how a landing page has to convert, and if I if I then see the difference in conversion right. because I have localized it perfectly, or the example of Mayu, that's that's it's like a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's getting... too bad my use not here because I'm sure she would have something to say about that. Yeah, yeah, indeed. But it's it is so it's it's just about about already taking. Huh? So I, I would say proving the ROI of 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 calc- of translation is like a next step. Right. Opening up the discussion about improving the the conversion. If you can, if you, if I take Silio.com as an example. We are right now having the website in Dutch and English. And uh, my number one lead country is the US. My number two is UK. Number three is Canada. Number four is Australia. Number five is, uh, is Holland. The amount of leads I get from Germany and France is very small. Sure. Guess what? Because I haven't translated yet. I, I was going to say, I wonder why, right? Exactly. Like... exactly. So I am actually going to run a test myself. And I'm going to translate Celio.com in German with machine translation. Interesting. 
Are you gonna just, just that's that is a brave choice, my friend. Yes, machine translation because then I have no cost, I have no complexity, I have no complexity, and then if I want to increase the local conversion, then I'm going to uh, increase in, include the localization. I'm not. I'm skipping. I'm skipping the step of high quality translation because that's a brand protector. Now we are experts in migration. So as as a as Xilio company. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm taking two hats here. Xilio sure, and sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I run both. So I'm just using myself as an example how I think. And so I I don't care about the brand of Xilio in Germany because I have zero leads. But I'm the best migration company in the world. So if people find me, <laughs> they just want they just want me to solve their problem. Yeah. If they have to read it in, in machine translation, I mean, Red Hat is, is writing to them in English. I mean, yeah. that, that's even messier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if they don't like the machine translation, they can read the English because your buyer persona exactly. is. Exactly. But right now, I'm not even found. Yeah. Interesting. Found. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, it, is, uh, so you have so to co- come back on and tell us how your analytics have changed for the exactly. German market. Exactly. I am legit interested to hear that because. That goes a long way to say, okay, low-hanging fruit, MT, right? It's not going to cost me a whole lot. What is what is that going to change? Now, of course, your your situation is unique because you kind of have this well-earned peacock status of like, what are you going to do? We're the best, right? Um, not not every company is going to be able to take that MT market approach. There are a lot of products companies out there that have the best products. There's a lot of software products out there. There's a lot of innovation out there. That that uh, there are a lot of software products out there that are made in the Czech Republic, that are made in Poland, that are made in in Italy, that are made in Spain, that are the best in their area. Mm-hmm. They are just not known. And so so it is it is uh, it is actually um, uh, I would almost say that that it is really the the eighty percent of the world that doesn't speak English. There's a lot of good innovation coming from those, from those, from those, those, those countries. Well, and that's why. So one of the things that I put down on my notes here, as you were talking, was to me this presents an opportunity to be getting value, getting innovation, getting creativity from markets other than the source market, which let's just assume English, right? And what I mean by that is if you're looking, because we're talking about like, how do we objectively measure this? And your answer, one of your answers to paraphrase, my paraphrase of it is essentially, well, you need to look at the difference between markets like how's like knowing how germany is performing in isolation eh, neat right but what is really interesting is knowing how germany is performing compared to france compared to uk compared to australia compared to usa and all of that stuff but where that naturally leads is if you notice abnormalities or discrepancies in in the data of course you're going to investigate that and it takes us to an opportunity where maybe Germany's performing better than all of your other markets and you want to know why and you want to know what you can learn from that so rather than just experimenting and you know going back to this design thinking methodology it's all about testing and making a hypothesis testing it prototyping all of that stuff and traditionally we test and prototype in our home market but we don't use the feedback that we're getting from those other markets to actually change our product. And so that opens up a whole new world of possibilities for listening in a way to our global customers. Cause people, I think this is one thing that people misunderstand about like design thinking or customer centric um, methodologies is that you think you need to be in contact with your actual customers, like talking, talking to them, doing focus groups with the customers and stuff. Not necessarily. There are many different ways to listen to your customer. And and that, of course, is a good one to actually talk to them. But another way and the most common way, probably because the most cost cost effective way that we listen to our customers is through the analytics. Right. Exactly. And your whole system is built on analytics. (laughs) Essentially, that's that's what I'm hearing. Like the goal of this is to appease the Google gods, <laughs> right? And make sure that Google looks, smiles favorably upon your content and serves it to the right people. It, it, it all starts there. Let, yeah. Let's face it. If you're not found, it kind of makes no sense to write. That is, that is a very good point. Well, sir, we've been, I'm just watching the clock here. We've been doing this for about 
almost an hour. Time always flies, but we've been doing this for about 50 minutes. Uh, any Anything else? What did I forget to show? I've got all these links over here. Um, what can we plug? The uh, Process Innovation... Ugh. Process Innovation Challenge website, you can find it at pickpic.lokeworlds.com. And there's a nice little write-up about this year's um, The Contestants and Rickert. Uh, you've got a press release coming out, you said. When's that coming out, Rickert? When? Um, I think in three, four weeks or something. In three, four weeks. So keep your guys' yeah. um, eyes open for that. Uh, what else? Anything we should plug before we, we call it a day here? No, I think it was a it was a great conversation. I think um, I'm very excited to be here, and uh, let's bring some innovation to to the industry. And most of all, let's let's get some let's get some business discussion going. Yeah, and uh, and let's try to translate the um, the the language quality into into business KPIs. I am very much looking forward to observing this conversation that we are having as an industry and I think we will be having over the next year and I say observing I, I'm going to butt myself into it and be a part of the conversation I'm sure but exciting things happening with quality um, how we define quality exciting things happening with where we focus our investment I think in this industry I think we're going to be seeing less less budget going towards outdated spreadsheet-based LQA models and more budget going towards you know things that are scalable things that are able to capture the local complexities of language and markets but at a scale in a scalable way and at a global level and sir I thank you for your contribution to thank to you. the industry <laughs> <laughs> thank uh, you, and here, here's where I give my endorsement that you know, Nimsy does not support, endorse, or condone anything. Blah 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 blah. But um, yeah, like I, I said before, we don't con we don't we're not. This is not an endorsement. This is not sponsored content. What this is is I saw a cool product uh, that has the potential to do cool things in this industry, and I wanted to make sure our audience is, is about it. So once again, thank you very much, Rickard, for coming on with us today. Thank you, Tucker. Appreciate it. And with that. I will bid you guys once again adieu. Uh, this is Nimsy Live, I should say. And if you're not liking and subscribing to this content, then you're not going to be notified when we go live again. These are pop-up events. And if you know of somebody who has some value to add for the Nimsy audience, maybe that person is you, then we want to hear from you. Reach out to me. You can DM me on LinkedIn. You can email me at tucker at nimsy.com. And with that, I will bid you adieu, and we will see you next time. Everyone have a great day.